Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. I am Scott, and I'm joined by my co-host, Joe. Joe, how you doing, Hi. man? I'm doing all right. Hi, everybody. It's great to be with you tonight. We got a special show planned. Uh, we're going to be having basically two segments in tonight's show. The first part is where Joe's going to speak a little bit about his recent trip to Africa, which I'm really excited to hear about. And in the second half of the show, Joe and I will be talking a little bit about our recent trip to Orlando, where we attended Universal Studios Orlando Halloween Horror Nights. We're going to be speaking about some of the houses. Halloween may be over, but if you're a horror fan, it's 365 days a year of Halloween. That's the way I look at it. I agree. It's great. And um, the really, th this was quite a trip. I got a lot to say about this trip, but tonight we'll focus on the houses themselves and the scare zones and all of that. Um, keep, keep the Halloween spirit going. Yeah. I mean, the spirit goes for us all year round and, uh, you know, every year we look forward to this. So this yep. is, uh, I'm, I'm really glad we were able to get back there and I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah. It's going to be great. And, uh, let's begin actually though, by talking a little bit about your Africa trip, Joe, uh, tell our listeners when you went on this vacation. Yeah. So I, I mean, my uh, annual vacation this year at the end of the summer, uh, depending on when people are listening is in September, I went to South Africa. You know, long since uh, a bucket list trip for me. And uh, this trip obviously was postponed a couple of times due to COVID. But, um, you know, we, f we felt comfortable enough to go uh, end of the summer and the rescheduling worked out, times worked out. So my wife and I, we went to South Africa. Uh, and then we went to uh, just a couple of places within South Africa. And the reason we chose South Africa, just as, you know, this obviously it was our first trip to Africa. We've never been to any of those countries. And people were saying to us, why aren't you going to somewhere like Kenya or Botswana? And when I looked at all the countries, um, you know, and where to go, what to see, South Africa had a, bit of a mix of everything. It had safari, it had cities, landmarks. Uh, so I felt, you know, for the first trip, going to somewhere like that, rather than going just on safari or just to a city where, you know, some of the things you can see at home, some you can't. I figured that would probably be the best place to go. So we flew into South Africa and spent some time just in that country. It figures that people would look to criticize this amazing vacation you went on. <laughs> that was the first thing they said. It was, well, we went to Botswana, you know, or we went to Kenya and that's where you got to go or Tanzania, you know, the usual safari places that people, some people think of, but, you know, we, we, uh, the trip was amazing. It was if not the best, one of the top two vacations I've ever taken in my life. And, you know, there's uh, the areas we went were either no or low risk malaria, the water is safe to drink. There's a lot of reasons that I felt more comfortable going to South Africa than a few other of the other countries, at right. least for my first trip. You right. know, if I ever go back to Africa, I, I, it wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate to go to some of the other countries, but I'm glad I did it here. And South how Africa. long was the vacation overall? We went for uh, 12 nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, but that doesn't include the two nights that it took to travel there and back. The flights were overnight, but so really 14 nights, but it, I only count the 12 because that's how long we were in the country. Was this the furthest you've ever traveled? Yeah, by far. I mean, I've been to Europe before, um, but this flight, there was a, you know, it, basically there's only two direct flights to South Africa from the country at this right now there's one out of newark on united and one out of atlanta on uh, delta and we took the one out of newark on united that was a 15-hour flight that flew non-stop to johannesburg and that was by far the longest plane ride i've ever taken yeah 15 hours is a long flight it really is because 
you could go stir crazy after three hours on a plane. So multiply by five. Yeah. I mean, add into that the masks and everything for that long. I was a little worried about it. Um, it was an overnight flight, though, so I was able to get some sleep anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it really didn't feel that bad. I was actually pleasantly surprised when the flight was over what, uh, you know, how I felt and, and how it went and everything. Right. So you flew into Johannesburg. So we flew into Johannesburg. We had a night there kind of just to relax a little bit because when we landed, if if you're leaving at our time, eight, eight o'clock at night, you land there the next day at 530 at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there was a three hour delay on the way there because that's what happens with United. So there was a delay. So by the time we landed, it was just late. So we stayed at an airport hotel for the night in Johannesburg. And the next day, we actually took a uh, domestic flight in South Africa to Cape Town. Uh, to That's where we really started our trip. How Normally, long a flight was a that? direct flight to Cape Town also from Newark on United, but it only runs seasonally. And their seasons are opposite of ours. So right now, they're going into summer. And that's when the direct flight to, runs to Cape Town. Um, but normally, you know, at the other times of the year, there's just Johannesburg. So when you flew there in September, what was their season? It was? It was spring. Spring. Yeah. Temperature was their, nice? Their spring starts on September 1st. The temperature was perfect. Honestly, mm. the weather there, except for the day we got to Cape Town, it was cold and rainy. After that, the weather was perfect the entire time. Wow. Amazing. And so you spent how many nights in Cape Town? We spent four nights in Cape Town, and then we spent eight nights at various safari places. Tell um, us about some of the stuff you did in Cape Town. Cape Town is a really interesting city. I really actually enjoyed it. I mean, for other listeners, you know, listeners to, the sh- to other shows that I've been on about my travels will know that I like to do a lot of outdoor stuff and, you know, hiking and things like that. And Cape Town is one of those cities where right in the city, it's as if part of it is going to New York City where you have tourist attractions and shopping and things like that. And then at the other half of it is like mountains. Oh, wow. So right in the city, there's a, there's a huge mountain called Table Mountain. They have Table Mountain National Park there where there's hiking trails and there's a tram that goes to the top of Table Mountain where you have all these amazing views. You have the Cape of Good Hope, which is the southwesternmost point of Africa. Right. Um, so we did trips out there. You have just all kinds of amazing outdoor activities. And then you have what you think of when you go to see a city. So they mm-hmm. have the Victorian Alfred waterfront uh, where there's, you know, uh, it's a tourist attraction, obviously, but it's all shopping. It's a gigantic shopping mall, outdoor restaurants, this whole, this whole manufactured tourist attraction that we really reminded me of the pier in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I think it's pier 57 where it's all the restaurants and, and, you know, sure. where you just where Ghirardelli's is and that kind of thing. It was just like that. It, it was just like that in South Africa and Cape Town, except they had lint instead of Ghirardelli's. It was, right. it, it was literally like that. Um, so we spent four nights there. We stayed near the waterfront because of, you know, our first time there, I wanted to be where the tourist or more touristy areas were. Right. And we just did a few tours during the day. We took a tour to want the wine country. So if you're, again, it reminds me of San Francisco a lot because an hour away is wine country. Just like if you were in San Francisco, an hour away is, you know, um, Napa, same idea. Um, So we did a, we did a day tour of wine country where we toured some wineries and things like that. We did a day tour to the Cape of Good Hope and Boulders Beach, where there's a colony of wild penguins that live there. Um, And then the the other day, we just took a day, walked around the town and 
went to the Table Mountain National Park and things like that. One of the things we talk about is when it comes to traveling, it's always surreal to know that you're flying somewhere and you could be in another state or another country in no time. But given that Johannesburg and South Africa, Cape Town was the furthest you had ever been, was it even more surreal? Like, did you ever, were you there and ever thought to yourself, I cannot believe I'm here right now? Yes, constantly. Actually, I, I said that to uh, my wife when we got there. I was like, I can't believe we're in, not you know, on another continent right now, but not just any other continent, but the very tip of Africa. The, right. You know, all the way, obviously, South Africa is at the very bottom. It is, you know, it just when you look at the map of when we were flying in the plane, you know how you can see the map of your of the the route and the world map and where the plane is at the time, and it was just, it, it was very surreal to be literally on the other side of the world. How did the right plane now. fly? Did it go south from Newark and then east? It was basically, yeah, it was basically on a southeast uh, course the whole time. Right. Just like a straight southeast course, very smooth, right down. Uh, it didn't, it wasn't like it took any, you know, angles or turns or anything like that. It was literally just a one line, long flight right down to South Africa. So you were over the ocean pretty much the entire flight. Yes. Didn't notice it. You're, it was, you know, again, it was overnight. You couldn't right. really see anything. So it really Wild. wasn't a big deal. That's why. What type of plane did you fly there? Do you know the model? Um, seven eighty-seven. It was a seven eighty-seven. Yeah. Wow. The Dreamliner. The Dreamliner. So you had yeah. three, 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 three in your seating. It was three, three, three. Yeah. Wow. That's how you know you're going somewhere big. I know. It was huge. The biggest. It was a, the plane was gigantic. It was like walking to a house. Wow. Did the attendants have accents? Uh, yes, but not South African. I, they were from all over the place. Right. Fa that's fascinating. They, 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 I was talking to them a lot because, you know, if once you're done with a couple hours of sleep, you still have 12 hours of the flight <laughs> and uh, you go to like this, yeah, they have a little snack basket. You go to the snack basket and they're there. You talk to them, see what they were doing. They're based, they were all based in Newark. And it's funny because this is such a long flight that it's basically two or three days of work for them. Right. So if we went, we left on a Friday night and they would go to, down to South Africa and stay there for three days before they actually came back again. And that would be a week of work for them. And that's of course paid for by the airlines. Yeah, absolutely. But it was just really interesting to talk to them. And then the pilot I was talking to because they were taking, you know, coming out of the cockpit and taking bathroom breaks and everything. And he was say, I, I asked them, is this the kind of assignment that they want to get because it's so long? Or is it like the assignment that they give people they don't like or new people? And it, because of the plane, the type of plane it was and how many people are on the plane and how long the flight is, it, it was more of a senior assignment. Wow. That's, un, that's yeah. interesting. How old was the pilot, would you say, out of curiosity? Uh, young. Young and so, a senior assignment. I wonder if he was former military. Well, I'm, that's a good question. I don't know. I should have asked him that next time. I know a lot of pilots are former military. Yeah, I think that's a, a very uh, easy way into being a commercial pilot. Wow. Like, you know, not an easy way, but an easy path. They usually come out of the military and go right to that. I'd love to get a pilot on our podcast just to talk Me to them too. and ask them that questions. Would be that would be that would be a serious interview. That would be uh I love traveling so much. That would be a dream get right there. <laughs> yes. Any pilots, please let us know. Um, have a pilot on Tuesday and Taylor Swift on Wednesday, and then I could just retire. <laughs> that would be quite a week on the podcast. <laughs> so uh you, so you finished up in Cape Town and then talk to us about how you, uh, what transportation you use to begin your safari. 
So we finished up in Cape Town. That was, we were there for four nights, basically three days because mm-hmm. of the way the time worked. Um, and then we went to the airport and we went to two different safari lodges. We went to a safari lodge called Sawalu, which is in the Kalahari Desert. And then we went to a lodge called Londolozi, which is in Kruger National Park or, or close to it. It's actually in a private reserve called Sabi Sands. And from Cape Town, we took what was basically a puddle jumper plane, you know, eight seats with a propeller, that kind of plane. And that was about a two hour flight from Cape Town to the Swallow Lodge. And uh, so we went to the Swallow Lodge for four nights and, you know, did safari there. And we'll go into that in a second. And then from there, we took another puddle jumper type plane for an hour to Sapi Sands to the next lodge. When you took these planes, were there a lot of people waiting to take those planes or no? At time, some, sometimes yes, sometimes no. The flight to the first lodge was uh, full. There was, you know, and when I say full, I'm talking eight people. These right. are really small planes. You know, the, the, literally it's one seat on each side and that's it. The pilot's right there, the cockpit. You can, you can knock on their shoulder and talk to them, that kind of thing. Wow. Um, but that plane was full. On the way out of there, it was also full. But then the next lodge, we were the only people on the plane. So it was interesting. The, um, talk to us about, let's go with your first. So you, uh, tell us again the place you went to first for the safari. So the place I went to first was called Suwalu Lodge. Right. It was in uh, the Kalahari Desert, also still in South Africa. Everything we went to was in South Africa. Right. Um, but it was a very northern lodge. You know, everybody knows the Kalahari Desert, but it it was, you know, it, it's it's the biggest game reserve in South Africa. It, it was huge. It was probably the size of Delaware and Rhode Island combined. It, so, and it was, it was all owned by the Oppenheimer family, which is oh wow, famous for diamonds and and wine and some other things, um, investments. So, it was like we were going to our own private state, basically. That's when you said that, Joe, by the way, when you said diamonds, you know what immediately came into my head? What? Shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> what song is that? Is that? That's isn't that Rihanna? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it is Rihanna. Yeah. yeah. Okay, continue. Um, so we went to this lodge. This is a very small small reserve. There's only eight rooms there, and basically the rooms were like a house. Each each room was like a house. You got your own little house per uh, you know group. Basically, so if you were a family, you got one house, or if you were a couple like we were, you got one house. Um, and then they assigned you a driver and a and a guide, a safari guide, and you went out in these Land Rovers every day. Uh, basically, for three or four hours in the morning, get up at five in the morning, you go out on these drives at about five thirty after you had some coffee, wake up, and then every day was the same. At around 10 o'clock, you'd come back, you'd have breakfast. You would then kind of have the rest of the day to do whatever you wanted. You can sit in your room and watch any animals go by. You could go to the gym. You could go, which I didn't. You could go to, uh, they had a store there. You could just sit in the main area and read or do whatever you want. And then at three o'clock or so, you would then get back into the Land Rover and go out for another game drive uh, at night. You know, What types of animals did you see there? So at that lodge, we saw all kinds of animals. We saw lions. Um, giraffes. There is tons of different types of antelope and things like that. This lodge is, is um, 
famous for having something called a pangolin, which is incredibly rare to see. So one of our entire nights we spent trying to find this pangolin, we, which we couldn't. It was just, it wasn't happening. Although we did see an antelope on the way back, which is also very rare to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly it was, it was things like that. They have uh, black and white maned rhino and the black rhino are, are much more um, endangered and hard to find. So we mm-hmm. saw those. One of them charged our car a little bit. Really? Yeah, not 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 seriously. At least the ranger said it wasn't serious. But what did he do in that situation? Uh, they just backed up the car. And, Were you nervous? Uh, no, I was never nervous at all. Right. Um, and they all said the same thing. At both of the lodges we went to, they said the same thing. They said these animals see the car as another animal because they're so used to it. They've seen them drive by and all this other stuff. It's if you were to stand up in the car or do something that they're not used to is when it could be more of a concerning situation or dangerous right. or something like that, because mm-hmm. they'll see that and they'll be like, wait, that's not the animal. I'm, I know now I'll attack it or whatever. Right. But it, other than that, they basically, it was, I was totally fine. I never felt unsafe. I just thought it was really cool every time I saw it. Anything. Sure. And so when you would go out on these uh, the safaris, you would see plenty of animals each time. Was it almost guaranteed you would see lots of animals? Um, at Swallow, it was not guaranteed because it's so big mm. that a lot of the time you spent driving around trying to find the animals. Um, you know, and that's kind of what it was. So you had the tracker on the front of the car who would just literally look around the whole time as he sat on this special seat and then would point out any movement or animals that he saw. And then we would go look at it, whatever it is. Mm. Um, and then you have the driver who was more of like a, I don't want to say a tour guide, but a safari guide who was explaining to us everything that we were seeing. And this, they knew everything. They knew every plant, every plant, every leaf. They knew how to see tracks in the dirt and whether those tracks were made today, the day before, the week before, wow, whatever it was. I mean, they knew everything. They were amazing. And, and then you would find animals. Yeah, I, I mean, every day we did see something. Every day you saw something. Yeah. And what's the closest you would get to a particular animal? So since these were both private game reserves, there was no rule that you had to stay on the road. So what they, you could just, you, you literally, the first, the very first time this happened, I had no idea what was happening. And of course I was like, is this even allowed? She, she just turned the car right off the road and like crashed over all these bushes and everything to get to these animals. And uh, they're right there feet away within feet. Wow. Not I mean, like, at one uh, point, yeah. At one point, a leopard in a different lodge walked by the car. I mean, I could have, you could have touched it. You could have pet the leopard. Like it was that close. Wow. Yeah. So, that, so then when you went to the next destination, how did those safaris differ from the ones at Kalahari? Well, it, two, two ways, honestly, there, the lodges were different in the sense that the one in the Kalahari was smaller. It was more of a, um, I don't want to say unique, but it was more of an intimate type lodge. And the one I stayed at in, Kruger area was more of what I would normally think of as like a hotel with activities. Mm-hmm. You know, it was bigger. Uh, they had more, um, it was just more of a well-run machine kind of idea, which I, I still absolutely had an amazing time. I'd go back in a second. Um, and then the animals and the way the, it looked were different. The first one was in the desert, mm-hmm. you know, literally red sand all over the place. Um, small bushes and not huge trees or anything. And the second part where you go to Kruger 
it's totally different. It's very lush. It's like, I don't want to, almost like a rainforest type jungle area. Right. Um, where you were driving around. So it was two totally different areas. And then they had different animals as well. Um, for example, the Kruger place I went to, which is Londa Lozi, they're known for their leopards. There's mm-hmm. leopards all over the place. It's very hard to find a leopard in Swalu, right? right. They, they have them, but we saw some tracks, but it was you weren't finding that leopard. Um, hyenas were all over the place at Londa Lozi. You couldn't, they were very hard to find in the first place, at, you know, in Swalu. So just different kinds of animals. Right. Or in them. Um, obviously, some of the same. There were rhinos and lions and, um, you know, giraffes everywhere. A lot, a lot. There were, there's no elephants at Swallow. There were elephants at the Sapi Sands Lodge. That kind of stuff. It's really cool. Fascinating. That's absolutely fascinating. Such an unusual trip. Something that I've never, I mean, you're only, this is probably the second person I personally know to do a safari. I, I loved it so much. I'm trying to go back next year. Mm-hmm. Like that's how much I loved it. And when I, when I was done, I said, I'm not done, but even in the middle of the trip, I said to my wife, I was like, I can't go back to any, I have to, this is the only kind of vacation I would ever want to take now. So let that's me ask you, it. why is that? Like, what did you love about it so much? It sounds fantastic. But what for you was the reason that you said that? To I mean, I wife? love being outdoors and I like going to see animals. And right. so to me, that was like the number one type of trip I could possibly take. Right. And I mean, it took a long time to save up for it and all that, which is great, but it was worth everything. And of course, I, you know, we always talk about nice hotels and things like that. And these lodges were top quality lodges. It was very luxurious. I don't even need that. I just like going to see the animals and being outside with them. And to me, that is like the the number one type of trip I could do. And before we go to Halloween stuff, let me ask you this last question about the Africa trip report. What was the best meal you had on your trip? That's a, that's a, tough call i when we were in cape town i have to say the restaurants in cape town were out of this world if they had michelin guide in cape town they would all have michelin stars mm-hmm. um there was one place we ate there called la colombe which is more of like a tasting menu type restaurant kind of like a michelin star restaurant that meal was amazing mm-hmm. that would probably be the number one meal wow then on the other on the other end they had a, they had a coffee shop called truth coffee and that was the best coffee I've ever had. We went there all the time because it was so good. And, you know, I would, I, I can go to either one of those over and over. And that place, the coffee place is only in South Africa. It's not anywhere else in the world. Yes. Unfortunately, I've been, I've been searching as, since I got back and it's only in South Africa. I really want to try that coffee. You texted me when you were there with how amazing it was. And I really want to try it. That's how amazing it was. That was like the first thing I was like, I got to tell you, Scott, this <laughs> is the most amazing coffee I've ever had in my life. And the the cafe is uh, steampunk themed. Yes. And they take the theming to another level. It, it, it reminds me of, of uh, the theming at Gideon's wow. but, uh, Bakehouse when you walk in there. But, you know, times 10, it's all steampunk. They have the costumes on. They have the things that are moving in the machines. And you're like, all right, this is going to be a tourist trap. It's not going to be that good. It, it absolutely was. Wow. And then you flew back home and got back to reality. Yep. And here we are. And here we are. Well, Joe, that, that was a fantastic trip report. That's the first time we ever had anyone on the show telling us about a trip to Africa. A safari is a very special type of experience that 
most people never have. And uh, thank you for that. That was fantastic. Yeah. And if I could do it, I'll be doing it again next year. Just send a video crew with you. That would be awesome. There were people, there were video crews there filming documentaries. Really? Especially at Suwalu. They're very, they're known. If you ever heard of that show, Meerkat Manor? Yes. Right. So they have at, that is filmed very close to Suwalu, but at Suwalu, they also have a habituated colony of meerkats where you can sit down with them and they'll walk right around you and basically come right up to you. And they film nature documentaries there. So that's awesome. I walked into one of the one of the uh, main rooms and the camera equipment that you saw in there was probably worth more than my house. <laughs> it was uh, it was unbelievable. Wow. And with that, let us now turn to part two of the special trip report episode, where now, Joe, you and I will talk about our recent visit to Halloween Horror Nights. First off, I'll begin by asking you, did you have a good Halloween? I did have a good Halloween. I didn't get a single trick or treater, which was disappointing. Yeah. But I understand, you know, how things are and who knows, but it was a good Halloween. I watched, uh, trying to think of the horror movie I watched. It's on the tip of my tongue. It'll come to me tonight and probably in bed. But uh, (laughs) I watched some horror movies and it it was just, it was good. Good. And as we have done for the past, I guess this was our fourth time doing this, although we didn't do it last year with COVID causing there not to be Halloween Horror Nights. You and I went to. Orlando for Boobash. Well, previously Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. This year was Boobash and Halloween Horror Nights over at Universal Orlando. And, you know, much of what we could talk about, we've talked about on recent trip reports where we could talk about what rides we went on and Los Portofino and all of that was great and fantastic. There's not much new to report with that, but I really want to, if it's okay with you, focus on the houses this year, what we liked, what we didn't like. And I, I'm going to begin, Joe, by asking you to tell us with Horror Nights this year, let's just get it right off the bat. What was something you did not like about Horror Nights this year? If we're specifically talking about Universal Horror Nights? Correct. Uh, yeah, they, I, I, I figure like, we do Universal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I we also did Boobash, so you know, right. there was that too. But I did not I did not like the scare zones mm. that they had this year. Agreed. That, to me, was the weakest part of the entire event. Yeah. And, you know, the scare zones are where you're walk you're walking through the areas. It's not a specific haunted house, but they usually have themed areas where, where they have, you know, the same idea where they try to scare you and things like that. Normally, those are those are part of the things that some of the things I look forward to the most. Right. Even just as much as the houses. And after going through these, I was very disappointed. Yeah, it seemed this year to overall be lacking. Uh, there were certainly areas where in previous years there were scare zone actors who would be performing and they were not there this year, particularly by Springfield, the Simpsons attraction. Right. You would be walking and have people with fake chainsaws running after you this year. You did not have that at all. Not nothing like that. Would you, I normally would have blamed it on COVID, but the amount of people that were there, I, I, I don't think that could be, that could be the case. Like I don't it think was it's like a, a COVID time. Thing. I really yeah, don't, I don't think, think it's so. a COVID. I don't think so. I don't know what the, what happened, but. Either it was last minute that they, they decided whether to do it or not, but it was just, I don't know. It was definitely lacking. I just also, and you know, for me, the, one of the biggest scare zone areas is right in front of the mummy. That's yes. where the purge was. That's where a vampire scare zone was a couple of years ago. I've actually sat there. I remember you and Neil went on the mummy one year and I just sat on a bench watching the people get scared. I, I was so entertained this year. I didn't even have a desire to do that. It was like a science fiction theme scare zone 
Yeah, it was it was kind of like 1984 themed. Right. Um, with but with aliens, like, you know, you will obey the master, that kind of thing. It was they tried, but it just it didn't have the same effect. I right. don't know. It just was weak. Yeah, it was weak. Um, there may also be a little bit of repetition with some of the scare zones in the fact that there's always chainsaws. There's I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm. No, you're right. There's always chainsaws. Yeah. There's always the one that looks like a, um, a, like a feet, a corn maze or cornfield type, you know, area. I actually think they reused the exact same thing for the last two years now. Right. For that area. It was, again, I thought the effort in that was low. Right. Scare zones were weak this year. Um, but then we get to the houses and, or the mazes as they're known in, uh, Halloween Horror Nights language. But, um, this was a true return of Horror Nights. You had 10, uh, we'll call them houses here. You had 10 houses, some of them based on original universal ideas, some of them based on IP. And I, it, it was great to be back. I mean, when we walked in and the music is playing and we're going to that first house, it just was such a wonderful feeling to have returned after not being there for two years. Agreed. Totally agreed. It was, and it was just like we've never left either. You know, it was like we didn't even miss a miss a year because right. the effort in the houses, we'll call them houses. It was just, it, it looked exactly like they normally did. Nothing right. had suffered at all. A lot of people made a big deal of the fact that there was plexiglass this year in the houses for COVID reasons. I didn't even notice. I'll be honest with you. I really didn't notice the overwhelming majority of the time. I noticed it maybe once or twice, especially when I first walked in. After that, it was not a big deal. Right. So how do you want to do this, Joe? Do you want to just talk about each house real quick, or do you want to give a couple of highlights? What do you think of the best way to do this is? Um, yeah, well, let's, let's give some highlights. Okay. Should I start or? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with a house that was not my favorite, but it's one that I enjoyed. But I also kind of wanted to like more, but I still liked it, which is The Bride of Frankenstein Lives. This was the first house we went to. This is one of the centerpiece houses. It's located right in front of that grassy area near the Tonight Show attraction. Mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely something they were promoting heavily. It was there last year when Full Horror Nights was not going on. And what drew you, me, and Neil to this house is the fact that we love the classic monsters at Universal. And we love the fact that this was a, an, an, a, a house based on The Bride. And what I liked about it is the imagery. There was great use of the bride. There were plenty of scenes with Frankenstein. Um, it was it was scary, but not overwhelmingly scary. Uh, having not been in a house for a couple of years, I did find the experience overall intense. That kind of took some getting used to. The first few was like, wow, is it really always this intense? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I wanted to like it more because I really wanted that to be my favorite attraction. But looking back on it, for me, I think it easily cracked top five. Uh, we went through it twice and um, I was into it. I was definitely into it. Yeah, I was into it also. I mean, we did go through it twice. I think after the first time we went through it, it was the first house we went to. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I, I loved it. After I've been through all the other houses, it dropped a little bit in my mind, mm -hmm. um, especially after going through it again and kind of paying more attention to it. I was actually surprised that they put that house where they did, because usually in the area they put that is the premier house, yes. like the one that they promote the most. And 
this year it didn't seem like they were promoting this at all, and but it was in the the most accessible, you know, the main first house you see area. I thought that was interesting. It was interesting, and the wait times were lower than I think almost every other house as the evening went on. Yeah. What did you so, think of? Uh, was it Revenge of the Tooth Fairy? Is that the name of that house? Yes, the Revenge of the Tooth Fairy. That was actually my favorite house. That was your favorite house of the night. Yeah. Tell us why. That's an, I mean, that's an original IP house. I think they actually, did they do that one last year also that they when did. they did one of the two houses? I, I, when I walked in there, I just, it was very creepy. It was, it was themed to fairy tales, but in a horror type way. And they had a story written out on the walls and just the way they did everything. I really, I thought it was the best house. Yes. I, I really loved it. Uh, what I liked about it is that some of these houses, when you go in them, they can be very overwhelming and tough to ascertain what the plot is because there's so much going on. That was not the case with Tooth Fairy because you walked in, it was set up to be easy to understand. And I think that helped me appreciate the house even more. Yeah, I, I thought I it totally was intense. Agree. It was an intense house, I thought. It was very intense. Thought. I thought it was scary. I liked it a lot. I, I did too. Was, I think that was, if that, that was my favorite house of the year. Talk to me about your thoughts on the Halloween Horror Nights Icons house. I, I really like that house also. That it, it would definitely be my top five. Um, that was based obviously on the icons of ha Halloween, you know, ha uh, horror nights from past, like Jack, the pumpkin, you know, the scary guy. Um, right. Chance. Those kinds of things. So when I when I first saw this, I thought I, I before I got in there, when I saw the icons, I thought it was going to be something different. I thought it was going to be based like on uh, like icons like Freddy Krueger and Jason, that kind of thing. And I'm actually glad it wasn't. I'm glad it was more of a universal specific house where they were able to do whatever they wanted with the house rather than keep to a specific theme. I, I really liked it. I thought each little area, which was themed to one of the icons, was cool. Mm -hmm. When you walked in, they had them all in this very inventive um, kind of wall to show you what you're going to get into when you walked Love in. That. I thought that was really cool. Love that. And I mean, for people who've never been to this, I, it's hard to explain the level of detail that goes into these houses, but it, it, it's like you're walking literally into a movie scene. Right. So that really, it really, it worked a lot for me. I liked it. And uh, I'm with you on that. I liked the way at the end, there was a different icon that would greet you as you were leaving. And we yep. were fortunate enough to see Jack, who is the most famous icon sitting there. Um, didn't see him the second time. It was the grandmother the second time, I yes. guess. Yes. Uh, but, but it was fun. Uh, I also really liked when it came to the house is Beetlejuice. Uh, Beetlejuice was not scary. Uh, it's not a scary movie to begin with. It's kind of a fun horror-esque flick. But what I really appreciated about that house is they did a phenomenal job immersing you in the movie. I mean, the level of yeah. detail in that attraction sealed the deal for me. Uh, also had one of the more intense, despite the fact that it wasn't scary, had one of the more intense moments of any house where you walked in and there was a spinning wheel. You were walking straight. You're, what you were walking on was not moving, but they really made you feel dizzy, like you were walking on a moving platform. And it, it, it got felt like me. you were being really spun around me. in a tube. Yeah. Yes, that was wild. That was great. The effect that they did on that was unbelievable. I was, I was, everybody was falling over almost because yeah. it felt like you were about to, to turn upside down. I really want to do that again. I want to experience that again. Me too. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> The house itself, I really liked. It was literally, it was like being in the movie. Yes, it was a so lot of fun. if you're a fan of the movie, it, you, you would really like it. But it was not a scary house. Mm -hmm. it, was it, was, a fun, it was more of a fun house. It was a fun house. 
I'll also note that it seemed to me like Universal was really pushing the Beetlejuice merchandise this year. Yeah, I agree. That was everywhere. Everywhere. Um, talk to me about uh, a house that I don't think we like very much, which is Texas Chainsaw. I honestly, that was my least favorite house yes. that we went through. Easily for um, me too. I don't want to say it was a waste of a house, but it was very low effort on, in my opinion. All it, all it was, was, um, you know, Leatherface with his chainsaw coming after you over and over right. and over again. It, right. it got to be, I, I, it was nice to be in there and see a haunted house, but it wasn't, it wasn't scary. It was just, I'm, I'm done with this. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. I would see Leatherface multiple times and I would think to myself, okay, again, again. Yeah. I mean, I know there's not much else you can do with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but sure. You expect Leatherface to be there, but it, again, it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't my favorite. It wasn't even, it was definitely out of the 10 houses, it was number 10 for me. And by the way, one of the things I just want to say is when we criticize a house, we're not criticizing the actors. They did a phenomenal job in oh, every yeah. single house. Props to them. No, the, the actors are unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, you see the makeup and the, the amount of effort. And I actually had this thought. We, I, I don't remember the house it was in, but there was one house where a girl, one of the actresses was screaming mm. at the top of her lungs as she like lunged out at you, but literally screaming like you would see in a horror movie. But she would, she must have to do that all night long. Right. Like, I don't even know how they talk at the end of this. No, you get an Oscar and you get an Oscar. <laughs> you go through the house. <laughs> um, another house I really liked, surprisingly so, was Puppet Theater. This was a house which, as its name suggests, was based on a puppet theater. And I love, again, the detail in the house. They really did a great job recreating a theater with balconies and chandeliers and actors and dressing rooms. And I just thought it was fantastic. I really, as someone who likes the Phantom of the Opera, there were elements of that built into that attraction to me. Definitely. And I, before we went, before we left, you asked me, what is the house I was least looking forward to? And I mm -hmm. said, puppet theater. Indeed. And honestly, I was totally wrong. That, is that a top that, five for that you? That was number two or number tied for number one for me. I loved it that much for the, all the reasons you said. It was like going into behind the scenes of a theater, a haunted theater, right? where these puppets were coming to life. And there was a room for costumes and you would have to go through the costumes and to get out. And, you know, you didn't know what was hiding behind them. It was it was great. I loved it. Was it. it was great. Awesome. Yeah. It was so much fun. And that's why it just goes to show how wonderful Horror Nights is. You go in thinking one thing is going to be good or not good. And then you leave with a totally different impression. Yep. Um, what did you think of Case Files Unearthed? I it, it was a house I liked, mm. um, but it wasn't you know it wasn't one of the top houses for me. Right. I liked what I liked about Case Files Unearthed was I think it was the longest house. It took the longest amount of time to get through. Yeah, it was a long and one. it 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 let them kind of expand a little bit on the rooms and you know kind of do a little bit more in my opinion. I liked the fact that it was very Hollywood noir. Yes. Trying, you know, that was based on a detective and, you know, trying to unearth these histories and secrets of aliens and stuff like that. But so I liked that part of it. It was OK. It was good. Yeah. I seem to recall that a couple of years ago, the space for case files on Earth was used by Stranger Things. And that was a very long house. Yes. I mean, that was their premiere house that year. But yes. So you'd expect that to be long. Um, but this one, this one, it, it really was like, oh, there's more, there's more, there's more. It was Whereas never ending one of the fun. other houses, maybe like the Tooth Fairy or um, the Wicked Growth, which is, you know, kind of just an outdoor type house where you're going through a field that was over in a second to me. 
it was quick, but I did want to ask you about Wicked Growth because I was just looking at a Reddit post where somebody ranked their houses and they said it was number one and they described it as Halloween in a house. Um, I, I will say that I love the entrance to the house. I thought it looked fantastic with these beautiful pumpkins, carved yeah, they pumpkins. They had a hundred pumpkins lit up and everything. Yeah. That was great. I don't know if I would call it Halloween in a house. I, I don't get that. Right. Because to me, that's the kind of haunted house where you could go basically anywhere in the country during Halloween time that has a haunted house and see that. Agreed. It's not bad. I liked it, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the special type of, you know, specific universal haunted house. Right. It was good. That's all. Uh, talk to us about Haunting of Hill House, which obviously was one of the premier houses Universal was focusing on this year for an immensely popular show. So I loved the Haunting of Hill House, the show. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that the house was announced, I was, I was looking forward to it so much before it was canceled. And then now it's back and all that. I, when I first walked through the house, I didn't think it was that great. Mm-hmm. But after I thought about it more and thought about each of the rooms I was in and what was going on, it grew on me a lot because it made a great first impression. You walked into this warehouse, you're in this warehouse, but it's like you're outside and you walk into their house and it's just like the show. Right. And then you're going through these different rooms and the bent neck lady is there, the same, you know, the big tall guy who is in the show also, who's scary as the kids was there. I, I, I liked it. It was very creepy. It wasn't so much a scary house. It was creepy. Right. Agreed. Uh, and I'm just taking a look here. Anything? I think, well, we didn't do Welcome to Scary. I think that was the only house you and I didn't talk about here. Yeah, that's um, okay. It was okay. Yeah. It was, I thought it was going to be better. I liked the entrance with that cool billboard, but it, it was a little bit of a letdown. It was okay. That was probably number nine for me. Yeah. Overall, thoughts on Horror Nights this year? Look, I thought it was great. I'm really happy I went. Um, it was great to be back there. And the amount of detail and, you know, effort they put into these houses is just, it's unmatched. Yeah. You and I have been taunted houses in other places and comparatively you, there is no comparison. It's, you know, it, it, it just, it's head and shoulders above anything else I've ever been to. And it might not have been as scary as in years past, but it was just like it never stopped due to COVID. It was like a normal year and it was great to have that feeling back. It was, it was great. And as much as I enjoyed Boo Bash and I love Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, what we do when we go there is mainly do the attractions because we don't live there. That's what we're going to focus on. The reason I like Horror Nights more than the Magic Kingdom Party is because it is distinct. And we've been to Universal and we love going back and we do that all the time. But when you go to Horror Nights, you are going to 10 distinct houses and I guess four distinct scare zones. And that's something you will not experience any other time of the year. That's why I love it. Right. It really, you know, hammers home that that Halloween feeling. Yes. That, that you know, the, the, the best part of the year is coming up and you're there to get scared or at least just enjoy the atmosphere and the people and, you know, great. everything. It's great. We'll be there in October 2022. Can't wait. Can't wait to see the houses. I'm already spec. There's already speculation, by the way, about what's going to be there. Yeah, we've already talked about it. Yeah, before this year. <laughs> I think we <laughs> talked about it at this year's Horror Nights. You know, what's going to be there. All right, Joe. So this has been great hearing about your Africa trip report and getting to reminisce a little bit about Halloween Horror Nights. And now that Halloween is over, I guess we focus on the holiday season and Hanukkah and Christmas and all that good stuff. So a lot to look forward to. I Really, this is the best time of the year for me. I, 
you know, I just everything about this time is great from Halloween on to the end of the year. This is our time. This is our favorite time. And with that, let's turn now to the Stuff We Love segment. This is where Joe and I tonight will talk about something we are recommending to you. Uh, Joe, what is your Stuff We Love recommendation tonight? Uh, my recommendation tonight, I, I kind of feel like I'm behind the curve on this is because it's a little bit older, but since there's no time limit on Stuff We Love, I've been, I watched a series on Amazon called Invincible and it's on Amazon Prime. It's an Amazon Prime series. It's a animated series, adult animated series about superheroes. Right. I know this. Honestly, yes. it, it, I wasn't expecting much. The first episode, I was like, eh, it's okay. It was amazing after that. It was excellent. One of the better TV series I've seen. They only have season one, uh, but it's about a, you know, a, a superhero and his family and then the son who is just learning his powers and how that works. And the son is invincible, which is his superhero name. And, you know, the dad is voiced by JK Simmons. The son is Steven Yoon. The cast is, is very well known. The show is so well done. And it, I really was invested in it, trying to wanted to see what happened and why these things were happening. And, you know, you don't think about that from an animated show, but it was just, it was that good. So Invincible on Amazon Prime, I loved it. Is it a family show? Is it clean or? No, no, it's oh. it's it's for adults. I mean, there's nothing unclean other than there's a lot of cursing and violence, but right. that's really what it is. It's our kind of show. It was really good. I, I recommend it. Yeah, I, I had, I'd forgotten about that. And now that you mention it, I will get to that very soon. You, uh, you should watch. I mean, the, each episode is about 45 minutes. So it's a little bit longer than a half an hour series, but um, there's only eight episodes and I, I, I really hope season two comes out soon. Like that's, I want to know what happens. That's awesome. Uh, so for my stuff, we love recommendation. I'm going to talk about a movie I watched on Halloween night, which is on Netflix. It's called night teeth. It's a yep. vampire movie. Uh, I believe when I watched it, it was number five in the country in terms of popular stuff on Netflix. And, uh, it is about a guy who was picking up two women in a car. He's a chauffeur for the night. And I think you could find this out from watching the trailer. The two women happen to be vampires and it deals with a truce that had existed between the vampires and non-vampires in LA and a breaking of the truce. And it reminds me a lot of the movie blade from 1990s, the Wesley Snipes movie in yep. terms of the way it looked in terms of the characters, in terms of the violence. I, I love this movie. It was so much fun. It was funny at times. It was dramatic. Didn't quite know where it was going. Um, Took, so, took a lot of twists and turns. So if you like vampires, if you like 90s flicks, it's Night Teeth is for you. I think you would really, really enjoy it. That's a great recommendation. As soon as I heard that was announced, I said, I said to myself, I have to watch this. Night, flicks, Night Teeth is your kind of movie, Joe. It's a, oh, uh, I'll, I'll be watching it. <laughs> and uh, with that, let me tell our listeners where they can find Stuff We Love podcast online. We are on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, Instagram at Stuff We Love Podcast. We have a Facebook page, a YouTube channel. Our website is Stuff We Love Podcast.podbean.com. You could write to us, Stuff We Love Podcast at gmail.com. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to us on all your podcast platforms uh, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, all that stuff. We're on every one. So thank you to our listeners and to our new listeners. There's a bunch of you. So welcome to the podcast family. And we hope you enjoy our show. We got some good content for you available related to theme parks and movies and travel, all the, all the stuff we're talking about tonight. So I hope you enjoy listening to us. And uh, Joe, this has been great. It's great to be with you tonight.
you too, Scott. Great show. And great show. Uh, I'm definitely going to check that movie out. 19th. I'm going to check out Invincible. It's going to be great. You should. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let's go around the table one more time. I am Scott. I'm Joe. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast.